0: Hi friends, thank you for listening in today. I was at a conference in France in the fall, poor me, talking to families engaged in missionary work, and I'd asked the organizers to set up a small table in the dining area so couples could meet with me more privately over meals to talk about some of what their children were experiencing. To my absolute delight, some of the children at the conference signed up for meals with me long before their parents got to the sheet I'd laid out. So, there I was at several meals, sitting at a little round table at the bottom of the stairs, looking into the face of a ten-year-old, a seven-year-old, or a brother and sister pair, asking them questions and learning about their lives. They were so bright, so insightful, so strong and vulnerable. What a great reminder to me of who it is I serve by speaking and writing on topics that will help future generations of MKs and even their parents to sidestep some avoidable pitfalls inherent to this community and to grow up more clear-minded and balanced and even grateful than many MKs of other generations have been. I believe one of the greatest gifts we can give to today's MKs is the treasure of permissions, I frequently speak with older MKs who point to a lack of permissions as one of the complicating factors of their lives, complicating their self-assessment, their emotional awareness, and even their image of and faith in God. Of course, boundaries are essential to growing up in a safe and nurturing environment, and of course, there will be rules and expectations in any family setting It's where we plant those fences, why we do, and how we define them that I'm addressing in this episode. So this is a twofold purpose in my mind. The first is to help MKs of all ages to realize the permissions they might not have been given, and in doing so, hopefully, to more clearly evaluate what has shaped their reactions and convictions. And actually, some of us adult MKs might still need to give ourselves those denied permissions today. And the second purpose is to help any parents, family members, teachers, or mentors of MKs to assess what permissions they might be withholding, even unintentionally, in order to adjust our messaging so those in our care can grow up with enough freedom to think and evaluate and learn and fall and brush themselves off and become without the pressure of what I call the tyranny of shoulds. So this is the article the six permissions most MKs need. Number one, permission to be kids. It's no secret that missionaries' children, much like pastor's kids, feel held to higher standards than their peers. In the fishbowl of ministry, there is unrelenting pressure to behave well. Be good, be polite, be friendly, have a positive attitude, and never, ever complain. The broad expectation that they be better behaved, smarter, and more mature than other children their age, or at least that they convincingly project those traits, can become a debilitating pressure. And if there's one thing MKs do well, it's try to live up to unrealistic expectations. When I was visiting with a missionary family a couple years ago, I asked an 11-year-old boy why his family had moved to Romania, and he told me he was there to tell people about Jesus, his own words. Perhaps the most meaningful words I heard on that three-week trip were his mother's when she said to him, No, honey, Mom and Dad are here to tell people about Jesus. Your job is to be a kid. What a simply worded, freedom-giving statement. Her son, a relatively new MK, heard from his mother's mouth that it's okay for him to just be young. Yes, they're in Romania as missionaries, and yes, he's invited to participate in their work, but he is a kid, and that, with all its challenges and joys and learning, is enough, and it's okay." So he can talk back or stomp his foot or hate zucchini or rebel against going to church again and expect consequences for sure, but without the disproportionate shame too often levied on MKs who are just being kids in the world of ministry. And that leads naturally into permission number two, permission to fail. Children will fail. They'll do silly things, they'll forget instructions, and they'll disobey rules, It goes without saying that, M.K. or non-M.K., they need to know that their mistakes and bad behavior will be dealt with and often met with consequences, but that they are not unforgivable flaws. In the world of ministry, though, failure can take on more ominous overtones. We need to set an example for the unbelievers watching us. God wants us to be a light in the darkness. You represent God in your middle school. These exhortations seem benign— But they add a deeper condemnation to inevitable stumbles. Demanding unreasonable exceptionality of MKs because their family represents God sets them up for the worst kind of failure, the kind that, in their minds, not only hurts their family's work, but also tarnishes God's image. At least that's the spoken and unspoken message they seem to get from multiple sources in their lives. So it isn't just a bad grade. It isn't just getting cut from the soccer team. It isn't just posting something inappropriate on Facebook. It isn't just telling a lie or gossiping. It feels like something unforgivable that brings shame on themselves, on their families, and on God. It's as if we're saying other kids can make mistakes, but you can't because we're missionaries, and people are watching, and God is judging our performance, and you will not Fail. If we're not careful with our words and responses, we run the risk of heaping a spiritual burden on six or ten year olds. More seriously yet, we might cement in their minds the image of a demanding, disappointed, irate, and unforgiving God. And these children and teens, whose lives and faith oftentimes have already been complicated by cross-cultural living, frequent transitions, and successive losses, they either hide their challenges to avoid shaming their parents— or rebel against the unachievable expectations by not even trying anymore, or worse yet, they'll label themselves as irredeemable failures. I can't think of a worse message for us to convey, and yet so often we appear to do so in the name of God himself. Permission to grieve. It is no secret that the heaviest burden many MKs carry is the number of goodbyes they have to say in their early years. The mission field is a transient place where someone is always leaving. The repeated departures create an expectation of loss that colors both their entry into new relationships and the nature of the friendships they form. The world's unspoken expectation of courage and resilience in the face of so much loss puts pressure on grieving MKs to get over it fast, to find comfort in their faith and to forge ahead without handicap. Little emphasis is put on the grieving process, and little space is given to allow it to progress at a natural pace, let alone exist at all. And you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast for more on MK relationships and living with grief. Adding to the issue is the unwillingness of many adults in ministry— to model healthy grieving for the younger generation. For whatever reason, they too might try to mask their sadness, frustration, anger, and despair. They too might try to stuff it down or cover it with something more pleasant and missionary-appropriate. Children are observers by nature, and they often learn what is expected of them from the behavior of adults in their spheres. Until missionary parents and the missionary community as a whole give permission to missionaries' children to express and work through their grief, as ugly as it might get, we will continue to see hearts hardened towards God—on whom, by the way, many MKs already blame their losses—and adult MKs still crippled by the losses in later seasons of their lives. That might sound like hyperbole, but it isn't. I was one of those MKs. And perhaps you were, too. Permission to dissent. MKs know they're a package deal. God called their parents. He funded their ministry. They made it overseas and are doing good work. How dare they question a calling? How dare they resist another move or resent another change of schools? Of all the MKs I've worked with in nearly 30 years now, those who have felt no permission to voice a disagreement or question their parents' choices, they're the ones whose resentment has been most bitter. How easy it is for adults who have a clear vision and a driving passion to carve a path toward the calling they perceive. And how destructive it can be when the children in their care don't feel the same impulse, but measure the call in toxic increments of change. We're too often so eager to pull the God card, to tell children that God called our family so there's no discussion here, we're going, or that this is our family's job, so you're going to participate in every service we hold or attend every youth group on HMA or be okay with saying goodbye to grandpa and grandma for another four years, and you're not going to complain or voice your unhappiness about any of it. Parents of MKs might benefit from engaging in conversation and common seeking with their children when big changes are coming up. They might want to ask what their feelings are and respect what they hear. Kids need to know that their thoughts and reactions matter to the family as a whole. And then, when possible, parents might want to give the entire family the time it needs to process together, honestly, Unashamedly, with compassion and full attention, with prayer too, with their hearts trained on their children while their spirits are tuned to God. His call extends far beyond the job he has for them to do, and it encompasses their role as heart connected parents of the children he dearly loves. With permission to dissent, Children will feel the freedom to voice their feelings, and in that, there's an emotional honesty that is not only healthy, but ultimately God-honoring. Permission to doubt. Not all MKs are saved. Not all MKs believe that God is real. Not all MKs view their parents' faith in a positive light. I didn't encounter Jesus, I mean truly encounter Jesus, until I'd been a missionary myself for a couple of years. Yet presumptions about the faith of MKs abound in their sending churches, within the mission communities, even among their family members. Of course she's saved. Of course he's on fire for God. They're MKs after all. So the young person whose life is steeped in Christianity feels guilty for doubting, guilty for the shreds of unbelief that mustn't be expressed lest they bring shame—there's that word again—on the family and their work. I've seen MKs trying to process their lack of faith being shushed into silence, or voicing their doubts and being preached into submission, or hinting at uncertainty and being reproached into repentance. Faith is not an inherited conviction. God is not a transferable commodity. Yet the pressure on MKs to not only believe but be exemplary in their faith is rampant. What unfair pressure to put on young souls trying to make sense of complicated lives, lives shaped by God's calling and saturated with the huge blessings and undeniable challenges of growing up between worlds in ministry. Permission to doubt is more than mere processing space. It's the gift of honest grappling towards eternal outcomes. Parents need to extend it. Communities need to extend it. Churches need to extend it. Adults and peers need to celebrate it as part of God's working in the MK's life. Permission to doubt is crucial to an authentic faith. Permission to Redefine Significance In the missionary world, we narrowly define significance as working for God. The message comes from within and without the ministry community. The best, most significant, and God-pleasing life you can live is one devoted to His service. Well-intentioned believers reemphasize the message. Your family is so exceptional to be doing what you're doing. Churches further accentuate it by focusing on missionary families more than on others in the church and rewarding their effort with attention, prestige, and donations. The message is that traditional ministry or missions is the most significant way to live one's life. Everything else pales in comparison. So the MK who wants to become a dancer feels like a sellout. She's seen the need after all, and all she wants to do is dance? Shameful. All he wants to do is be an electrician? How sad. And all she sees herself doing is teaching? So unworthy of the MK upbringing that shaped her. I've known guilt-ridden adult MKs who can't reconcile the career they love with a definition of significance that distorts their perspective. Successful businessmen providing for dozens of families they employ who feel they've missed the boat. Artists revealing God's creativity and beauty to a cynical world who feel disloyal to the call that galvanized their parents. Or stay-at-home dads modeling God's heart to their children who fear their lives are not significant enough. But that's a lie. The best, most significant, and God-pleasing life is one in which relationship with him is central, not work for him or sacrifice to him, relationship with him. It's the light we shine by our mere presence wherever we are, not the task we perform there. It's the expression of God's Spirit in us that requires no words. It's a dancer's sublimation of the horrors of this world, the craftsman's honesty and the excellence of his work, the teacher's heart as she nourishes young souls— There is deep significance in choosing to exercise the talents God has given us and in radiating Him in the process. Too often, permission to find one's intimate significance and excel at it is poorly stated or withheld by well-intentioned missionary parents. I highly recommend if you're one of those that you read two books by Skye Jatani, which I'll link in the notes. They're called With and Futureville. It's time that we redefine significance for our children. Because so many of the unreasonable expectations I've covered here are more implied than spoken, their antidote will have to be clearly expressed and frequently repeated. We need to directly counteract the subliminal and often unintentional messaging with firm words backed up with unconditional acceptance. My encouragement to missionary parents desiring to remove the pressure from their children's shoulders is this. Number one, foster open communication with your kids from the earliest age so they feel free to tell you what they're feeling and thinking. Two, model in your adulthood the permissions you preach into their childhood. Three, use simple, unambiguous words to free them from false expectations. 4. Make your own expectations clear and reasonable, and your forgiveness swift and unconditional. And finally, extend to fallible, still-developing, fast-learning children the grace and mercy God showers on our own flawed and undeserving adult souls. These suggestions may not resolve the whole problem— but I believe they can be a significant first step in mitigating it. Thank you so much, friends, for taking the time to listen today. My prayer as I release this one to the world is that it'll foster more awareness of these unspoken expectations and that that clarity will lead to change and maybe even healing. As always, make sure you check the episode notes for a link to this article. You might also want to check out my website and my social media pages, all linked in the notes as well. Please don't hesitate to leave a comment here or through the contact options I've given you, and remember to spread the word about this podcast in your ministry circles. As I wrap up this recording today, I want you to know that I celebrate the purple you are or the purple you love. Thank you for your time.